Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And today we're going to look into the life of two early industrialists, John Nichols and his son Edwin Nichols. They played a profound role in the city of Battle Creek in its early history. And it's quite a story that the two of them were such incredible businessmen that employed a tremendous amount of people in their lifetimes. And not a lot of people today in the city even know their names. So we're going to talk a little bit about them and go into some of their history. So the reference that I'm using today is a book written by Washington Gardner called History of Calhoun County. And this is actually coming from Volume 2 of that series. And he gives an incredible biography on both John Nichols and Edwin Nichols. John Nichols was one of the founders for many years, president as well, of the Nichols and Shepherd Company. He was born in Liverpool, Onondaga County, New York, January 1st, 1814. And he died at his home at 258 Maple Street at Battle Creek on April 15th, 1891. Uh, Maple Street today is Capitol Avenue Northeast in Battle Creek. And so in this biography, he describes, it falls on the lot of a very few men in the world that their life, industry, and character become the foundation on which rests the material prosperity of a community. Mr. Nichols was in that class. And it can truthfully be said that his achievements as a manufacturer and business leader have for a half a century been one of the cornerstones of Battle Creek. He was one of the remarkable men of the last century whose work was largely creative and who kept to the forefront of the unprecedented advancement in all lines of material civilization. Personally, he was a man of untiring industry, great executive capacity, indomitable energy and perseverance, so that in directing his enterprise into new fields, he never faltered before the untried obstacles that often barred the way. Mr. Nichols was the son of a lionkin and Sally Nichols, early settlers of western New York. The environment of his youth and the faculties of the age did not admit of his receiving much schooling in the modern sense. But he improved fully the opportunities he had. Owing to the limited circumstances of his family, he began seeking his own fortune when he was 13 years old. And at Palmera, New York, he became apprentice to the molders and iron foundry trade. In time, he was a master of his trade, and it served as the basis for his subsequent independent career. When he was 20 years old in 1834, he assumed the responsibilities of a home and was married to Miss Nancy C. Galloway of Marion, Wayne County, New York. They had an unusually long and happy wedded life, continuing for some years beyond their golden anniversary. Mrs. Nichols eventually passed away on December 26, 1892. In the year following his marriage, Mr. Nichols moved to Michigan, which was still a territory, and settlement had only partially progressed over the southern counties of that state. He lived on a farm near Clinton, Lenawa County for one year. He then moved to Detroit and accepted a responsible position 
with the state of Michigan in their shops in that city for the building of what is now the Michigan Central Railroad. In the presidential campaign of 1840, he was one of the most active and enthusiastic Whigs in the county. And in the later years in his life, his reminiscence of his early politics never failed to entertain the circles of his intimate friends. He continued in business in Detroit for a time, but in 1848 became a permanent resident of Battle Creek. In this town with whose industrial progress he was for so many years identified, he first opened an establishment for the manufacture of stoves, plows, and other farm implements, as well as iron castings. Later in his factory, in addition, turned out engines, sawmill, and gristmill machinery. After a brief visit to California in 1850, when he crossed the plains with his company of five men, with three wagons and 12 horses, he returned and formed the partnership with David Shepard, which was the beginning of a firm name that was continued for more than 60 years, and it was an international business with an international reputation wherever agriculture flourished. Their earliest output was one of the crude types of grain threshers in use during the decade of the 1850s. They made a good machine, and they invented great improvements, which soon made it into the leading threshing machines of its day and generations, and their business has ever since kept them abreast of the inventions and facilities of each succeeding decade. It was largely owing to the genius and practical business talent of Mr. Nichols that the product acquired its popularity, and in a few years, the old shops on Canal Street were unable to fill the orders for the vibrator threshing machine, as it was called. Then, in 1870, an increase of capital was made, a stock company organized, and the extensive works were built in Battle Creek, on the eastern part of the city, where the railway station on the Michigan Central and the Grand Trunk would eventually bear the name Nichols Station. Beyond the notable achievement of building such an industry, Mr. Nichols possessed a generous public spirit and in many ways showed his interest in the welfare of the community. He was one of the first to undertake the building of homes for the working men, and it was his joy and pride to furnish the ways and means for his employees for the building of comfortable homes, which nearly all of the men at the latter part of his life enjoyed. Enterprises for the extension of the city as a business center obtained his cordial cooperation, and the Nichols Memorial Hospital became a monument to his substantial interest in the cause of humanity and charity. Today, the Nichols Hospital no longer exists in Battle Creek, but for many years it was the central hospital in the city. From being one of the most ardent supporters of the old Whig Party, he afterwards gave the allegiance equally loyal to the Republican principles. Though for many years a factor in politics, he never sought office and exerted his influence through his prominence as a private citizen. His robust and generous nature and his straightforward, open-hearted manner of dealing made him a great favorite among all of the employees of the extensive industry which he was president. He was the father of three children. 
His daughter, Mrs. Helen N. Caldwell, died March 8, 1903, and a younger daughter, Mary Elizabeth Nichols, died in 1854. His son, Edwin C. Nichols, became the president of Nichols and Shepherd Company and continued on in that role after his father's death. Mr. Nichols was a great lover of the forest and streams and was an ardent sportsman, often in pursuit of large game. It was his special delight in the autumn of each year to take a party of invited friends into the wilds of the north and west for a hunting season. As an amusing part of this history, for 44 successive years, he followed a most interesting habit and the quote-unquote vibrator hunting party of which he was the host and directing spirit with its multitude of people, its great pack of hounds, and the camp equipage and supplies for entertaining most royally his friends and the passers-by for many weeks was one of the notable events every hunting season. Although not a great killer of game himself, he was extremely fond of offering the charms and comforts of his hunting camp to those who were so fortunate as to be his guests. And no locality was too distant and no natural obstacle too great to be overcome in his pursuit of this yearly recreation. Many scores of men in Michigan and elsewhere would recall in later years with interest and pleasure his generous hospitality in these regards. His son Edwin C. Nichols, one of the really big men of Battle Creek in later years, was one of the men who had guided hand in the affairs for many years and would bring even more wealth and honor to the Nichols family name. He was not only one of the dominant figures in the industrial life of the city, but he was figured largely in the political and social affairs of Battle Creek, and whenever his influence has been felt, it's been for the betterment of conditions and for the advancement of whatever cause that he ever championed. He was the president of one of the largest manufacturing companies in Battle Creek, the Nichols and Shepherd Company, manufacturers of threshing machines, and it was vitally interested in other important industries in the city. Quite characteristic of the generosity and broad-mindedness of the man is the following clip from the Evening News of Battle Creek for the first day of January 1912. And it begins, You want me to write a New Year's greeting and wish. It will be industrial peace and prosperity for every manufacturing concern in the city. Abundance of good work at good wages for every man and woman who is employed. Health peace and happiness and prosperity for each and every person in this growing city. In regard to my making a wish, we'll say that I made some years ago and that wish has come true. Years and years ago, I made the wish that I might live to see the day when the Nichols and Shepherd machines would be recognized all over the world and Battle Creek should have 50,000 people. It has come true, but we'll wish all a happy new year. So that was Edwin C. Nichols' New Year's wish in 1912 to the city of Battle Creek. Now, Michigan was the native state of Edwin C. Nichols, for he was born in Lenawah County when his parents had moved there in the town of Clinton on July 20th, 1838. His father, of course, was John Nichols, and we've already gone over his life. The Battle Creek schools furnished Edwin C. Nichols with his education, and the business of which his father was the founder, gave him his early experience in that field. He was brought up in the business, and starting out at the bottom, he learned thoroughly its every detail. He eventually became president 
of the Nichols and Shepherd Company. And this company, which was founded in 1848 and during the 64 years of its existence, had been of great importance in the industrial world. Now, bear in mind that this article that I'm pulling this information from was published around 1915. So the Nichols and Shepherd Company was still in existence at the time of this writing. In present day, it no longer exists in the city of Battle Creek. And perhaps that will be a story for a later time to just explore simply the the legacy of that company and the threshing machines. And I'll probably bring that up in a later podcast. But I just thought I would make that mention that the Nicholson Shepherd Company no longer exists. At the time of this writing, however, it was one of the leading employers in Battle Creek. Now, the first plant of the company was a small shop on Canal Street. That would be the equivalent of State Street right along the river across from Clara's today in the city of Battle Creek. And at that point, the, the business was so small that the founders of the company would could be seen working side by side with their employees in the machinist department. John Nichols and his partner, David Shepard, had unlimited faith in the unlimited success of their ideas, and by their close attention to even the smallest details of business, they lived to realize their expectations and witness with wonderful pride the achievements of a lifetime of work and energy. The Nichols and Shepherd plant eventually became located on Marshall Street at the junction of the Michigan Central Railroad and Grand Trunk Railways. The name Marshall Street is um, probably best attributed to Main Street west of City Hall in that area of town if you're from Battle Creek. And the offices and buildings and ground at that time covered 40 acres. They had excellent shipping facilities as the railroad was right there. And they had the railroad yards, which penetrated right into the factory area so they could unload and produce and roll right onto the railroad cars. They even had lumber yards with an immense dry kiln, which constituted part of the plant. It was a rule at the time for the company to keep on hand a two-year supply of lumber. The employees of the extensive plant numbered five to six hundred men, while there were about 35 to 30 who were employed in the office at any given time. The establishment was a capacity of about 750 traction engines, 1,500 separators, and 250 horsepowers, which would find a market all over the world, which rightly entitled it as a place among the foremost manufacturing institutions in the United States in their line of industry, which was threshing machinery. Now, threshing machinery is the machinery where they use to harvest crops. It's essentially what it is. And it was designed to be able to cut the crops and you could drag these things through the field either by horseback or with a tractor in later years. And it was a these were harvesting tools that greatly increased farming and the production of farmers. And you saw a huge increase in 1850, but more exactly in the post-Civil War years during the age of Reconstruction in the United States. Threshing machine manufacturing made a huge impact on the revitalization of the United States in the post-war years. They later introduced the Red River Special Line of Threshing Machinery, 
And this grain thresher would beat out the grain out of the straw, which had been previously done by hand in pitchfork. It was capable of threshing more grain than anybody could put into it. It was way ahead of the workers putting into it. So they would begin to manufacture other traction steam engines. And then eventually they moved away from steam to the oil gas tractors which revolutionized agricultural methods. The machines would actually burn a combination of kerosene, gasoline, or distillant, and it governed a little bit more steadier than a lot of the regular gas engines, which was quite revolutionary in its time. Now, in addition to his connection with the Nichols and Shepherd Threshing Company, Edwin Nichols was also the president and director of the Old National Bank in Battle Creek. And he was also the director of the Commonwealth Power Railway and Light Company. And he had some investment in the Union Steam Pump Company as well. In later years, he also invested money in the Duplex Printing Press Company of Battle Creek, which was a huge manufacturer of printing presses that went all over the world. And they were the primary supplier for printing presses for a number of years for many of the newspapers in the United States. And um, that was that's kind of an interesting chapter in the history of Battle Creek. And I've touched on it before in an earlier podcast episode on some of the early newspapers. And I'll probably do an episode exclusively on the Duplex Printing Press Company because it's just one of those little fascinating businesses that had such a huge impact on the world. And uh, once again, it's an industry that most people don't even know ever existed here. Uh, another company that he had an investment in was the Detroit Trust Company of Detroit, Michigan. So like his father in politics, he was a Republican. And he had eventually ran for public office, unlike his father, and became the mayor of Battle Creek for a while, serving one term. He'd also been an alderman for a number of years. And for many years in the Battle Creek area, he was the president of the school board in Battle Creek. And through his efforts in that capacity, he helped build a lot of the schools that we see around today in the city of Battle Creek. Some of those still exist. Some are no longer used by the Battle Creek school system. But a lot of those schools that were built in the 1800s came from his efforts on the school board. He was a delegate to the National Convention in 1884 that nominated James G. Blaine for president. Over the years, he refused the nomination for Congress several times when it was offered to him, and he twice refused the nomination for governor for the state of Michigan. So his political aspirations didn't go that high, or he just realized it would be too much of a distraction from his industrial business interests and his running of his own company. It certainly would have been interesting had he become a governor of the state of Michigan. That would have been uh, some interesting history to ponder about what he would have done with the state with his industrial background. Now, he was an active Mason in the community, and he was also a member of the Battle Creek Country Club. Interestingly enough, in this biographical write-up on Edwin Nichols was that he didn't really seem to have any particular religious affiliation with any particular church in town. And he would give aid and freely gave donations to all of the denominations in the city. So that's kind of a retrospective look at his generosity, and it was an index to the characteristic of the man. And his charity was quite extensive. He gave a lot of uh, large donations to the churches to help make improvements. And of course, the Nichols Memorial Hospital was an institution which Mr. Nichols 
because it was founded by his father, became very interested and gave generous donations over the years to keep it going. In 1860, Edwin C. Nichols married Sarah J. Rowan, who was from Argyle, New York. She was the daughter of a man named James Hyatt, and the marriage ceremony was celebrated in Battle Creek. She would eventually die in 1897, leaving three children. He had two daughters and one son. The one son's name was John T. Nichols, who eventually went on to become a prominent attorney in the city of Detroit. And all of the children were born in Battle Creek and educated in Battle Creek. And his son, John, received a literary and arts education from Cornell University and took his graduate in law work at the Harvard Law School. Both of his daughters completed their educations in a seminary for young ladies near Boston, Massachusetts. And so over the years, he helped maintain the solid prosperity of his home city, Battle Creek. And the article on Edwin Nichols closes with the sentence, A city is great, not in its number of population, but in the work it performs. And that, Battle Creek in the past and present, has an important share of the world's work to its credit and has been due in no small measure to the broad capacity and ability of Mr. Nichols and his father. So that's an interesting tour through the history of John Nichols and Edwin Nichols, two early industrialists that were connected with the Nichols and Shepherd Company that employed so many people here in the city of Battle Creek and created so much prosperity over the years, making it one of the leading industrial manufacturers of its time. And so I wanted to feature something on them because they were a very interesting family dynamic and a father and son carrying on in the same tradition. You don't see that often in today's society. And it was uh, quite impressive what they did for the country during their time in terms of industrial manufacturing of agriculture and farm equipment. So that's going to conclude today's episode on tales of Southwest Michigan's past. I hope you enjoyed this little story about these two interesting men. If you'd like to find out more about me, you can visit my website at michaeldelaware.com, and you can certainly reach out to me on that website. There is a contact form there. And I'd like to uh, hear any suggestions you might have for future podcasts or stories. And once again, I hope that you will join me next time as we take another journey into yesterday and explore some more interesting people and stories from the annals of Southwest Michigan history. Thanks for listening. 